Fan Morning Show. One hour in the books here. Brent Gunning, Sam McKee alongside me. The two of us alongside you until 9 o'clock for Fan Morning Show. Then there's a golf show after that. So we're here until 10 o'clock today. Mm, Joining us now. Can't wait. I know, I know. I know. Oh, I know. yes. Now, very happy to welcome in first guest of the day. Co-host, Real Kipper and Born, Justin Born, Borny, how's it going? Been a while. How you been, man? It's going good. It's going good. Did Rory fall apart? What's Sam licking uh, his chops uh, about? Yeah, he's just, I know he's a fan of Tiger Woods because of the all-time milk fest yesterday with his little <laughs> The range match. session? So I did he, see some clips. Oh, my little back hurts. So he, 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 hey, my all-time favorite athlete Tiger Woods, and there was no more elite milker in the history of sports than Tiger Woods. And uh, Rory put on a great impression of him yesterday. It was great. That's all I want to say. He's licking his chops anytime oh. he gets to take. He, he also sent me a video. He texted, oh he texted me a video of a just glowing question about McElroy. It was like, it, the question was effectively, what's better? The fact that he's perfect or his ability to walk on water? It's, uh, it's, it's really the, this week is not shaping up the, for McKee. The question, got, the question honestly was, uh, Bordy was, we all know about Rory McIlroy's grace, his power, his his beauty, <laughs> and how nice he is. But is his toughness underrated? I almost fell off my couch. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> that might be a little excessive. Yeah, was, I like the I, guy, but let's Yeah, relax. I know. I was like, is his, you know, is his ability to love women completely underrated? <laughs> Anyways, I just want to say I think that's great. Golf Channel yeah. should have a half-hour show of that where we all get to testify uh, every day. Uh, you, you, uh, you've got a chance already to opine on your wonderful uh, emergency pod that you guys did, but uh, please regale us with your thoughts of Austin Matthews four-year contract here, Borney. Uh, it's four years. Uh, should we be happy about that? It's for over $13 million, but less than 13 and a half. Should we be happy about that? Yeah, you know, I think the my overarching takeaway is that it's in the ballpark of reasonably fair. You know, like it's it to me, it's one of those things where it's like the Leafs are not going to fail with Austin Matthews on their team for the next five years because of this number here. Mm. Like, you know, I think the McKinnon number is lower than his worth, like well lower. Um, and, and I just think this is kind of what the guy's worth. He's a 25-year-old Hart Trophy winner who's scored 60 goals. He's won multiple Hart Trophies. He's a plays a premium position. I understand that people don't like that he's the highest-paid player in the league, but the, the Connor McDavid thing is not relevant here because he signed his deal six years ago. Mm. Like in terms of percentage of the cap stuff, it's 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 about where he should be. So. The only thing that I hear a lot that is a fair point that this is a McKees thing is mm. just that like, okay, the other elite players are signing for eight years. Why aren't, you know, why why doesn't Matthews? But, you know, if you can move past the like, you know, well, my sister got this size piece of pie. Why can't I have one? He's here for five more years. He's a great player. He's a good, it's at a good number. You know, I, I think it's very reasonable. If, if the Leafs win, you probably get him back again. So, yeah, I, I like it. I think it's great for the Leafs that you don't have to hear about it for the next season. You know, mm-hmm. the, it was it, uh, I heard some people talking about the John Tavares in New York comparison. Imagine Matthews <sighs> goes into this year without signing a deal. Yeah. Like, he did them some mercy by signing this now. Yeah, it's a great point, but I. So I gotta ask you, and I'm part of this discourse. Are you surprised by the discourse of the of the conversation, like of the of the the, the contract, Borny? Like in terms of like how I, I would say signing the best player probably in franchise history to a <laughs> yeah. four year extension, so that he's got five years left on his deal, and the fact that he actually signed and whatever, and like yeah. I'm surprised how un. Unenthusiastic is that the right way to put it? Like I feel like the discourse has been not negative, 
but I wouldn't exactly say positive either. Like, are you surprised by that? Because I'm surprised how I feel. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, we're so messed up these days by talking about dollars and cents all the time. Like, this is the the stupidest thing, isn't it, Sam? Like, this guy is going to be, if he plays these five five years, the greatest Leaf of all time, statistically. Yeah. You know, by the time this his 13 years worth of contracts that he's given the team will have been up. So... You know, it is. It's frustrating a little bit that it's. You know, uh, yeah, but you know, Artemi Panarin signed for eight years or whatever. I don't think. Okay, so I agree. It's it's not perfect, and I am a little surprised that there is so much. Yeah, but he hasn't won yet. Why is he getting paid this much? I think it's really easy to see why he's getting paid this much if you lay out his accomplishments, his age, and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, you know, I I'm not as as polar about it. I guess I can see the effect it might have on a potential Marner contract. Like does that frustrate people? Mm-hmm. I can I I can see that. It'd be nice to just talk contracts less. Just have all these guys signed forever, but uh, you know, like, they if they, over... like if they took eight-year deals and did that and we could do right, that, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, It would be nice, but like if they don't win in the next three years, whether these guys had eight-year or 20-year contracts, they're blowing it up. So they're giving them enough time to see if this core can win through these guys' prime, and, and I think that's, you know, that gives this, this look of the Leafs a shot to win. Yeah, I think that's the point that a lot of people have made and one that I didn't really make yesterday, but if they can't, win it in the next five years. Are we sure everyone wants Matthews around anyway? Like, like if two, it, Sam, if they go two more years of yeah. playoff tapouts and he's bad. But I, the thing is, it's, you know, you're muddied so bad by the second round of what happened last year, right? Which was terrible. Didn't score. They go out in five to a much worse team than them. He was yeah. so good in the first round. And he just completely gets washed away. Like, didn't he score five in the first round? Like, yeah. that was totally washed away. But no, I, I do think that from that perspective that I'm leaning a little bit more towards actually liking the four-year thing because of, you know, mm-hmm. we've now been doing this for seven years. And if it's not going to work within the next four to five, I think it may be time to try something new. <laughs> yeah, so, and you know what? Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, the the last contract, all the contracts that Leaf signed, they were ahead of the curve of, like, let's sign these guys, and then when the contract goes up, it's, or the, the salary cap goes up, it's going to look good. And you can say, oh, you know, like, woe is me or whatever, bad luck. But, like, it was pretty bad luck that the cap stayed stagnant and those contracts never got a chance to look good. Mm-hmm. I think there's a real chance that this Matthews one does. You know, I think that in a few years, when it kicks in, the cap's 87.5, and then it's supposed to go up $4 million a year after that, you know, to a pretty big number. So I, I think it's going to get better with time here. Here's the two things I think that'll be the kind of next inflection point for how we view this deal. You already mentioned one of them. Well, you actually already mentioned both these guys. One is Marner, and halfway through this deal, McDavid's is going to come up. And I think that that's where there's a chance to have people kind of and maybe up in arms is too strong a term. If they are winning, we won't be even having this conversation at all. But if Connor McDavid does the hockeyman thing and just says, okay, I'm sorry. Y'all all bullied me into taking a million less last time. I'll be bullied again. And he takes some, again, it's not going to be uber team friendly, but in his stratosphere, team friendly deal. I do wonder how that kind of kickstart things. And then if Marner, now I want to be clear, I don't think this is happening, but if Marner takes some eight year deal, or seven-year deal that kind of sets the team up better. I do wonder how that kind of changes the perception of it as well. You know what, Cap, you know what new contract I want to see is Leon Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl has yep. two years left, and that's uh, Marner as well, right? Two years left, same as Dreisaitl. Same class, yeah. Like, 
Like, what is Dreisaitl going to be worth as a guy who is also a six foot three guy who can play center, who scores a ton, like a guy who's won a Hart Trophy? Like, everyone has been the Canadian, you know, McDavid, Canadian guy, McKinnon, Canadian guy, all that matters are cups, yada, yada. Give me my eight years at undervalue. What's Dreisaitl going to take when his deal's up? I'm curious to see what a number like that would look like. And I actually, I think that'll help drive Marner's price down because the contrast is so obvious well, that Dreisaitl's a more valuable guy. I think that's a great point. And you mentioned both McDavid. Like, I know what McDavid's going to do. He signed, this is what... Yeah. Getting the eight. He's going to go shake his agent's hand and take a buck. Yeah. But this is why the, uh, like, we don't need to, I hate relitigating this, but this is why the five originally for Matthews hurt so bad because yeah. the three extra years for McDavid takes him to 30, where he's ready to sign another eight year contract that, you know, takes him to age 38. He'll sign for the, sign in Edmonton for however much for the full thing. Like, he's not going to sign a four year contract like Matthews to get him to age 34. He's going to take no. the, he's going to take the security at age 30 and sign a long term one then. So that's, I mean, that's, I don't want to relitigate the Matthews one because we've done it a million times, but that's, that's yeah. the big difference here with McDavid. I'd like to see McDavid take. You know, and by the way, I mean this not just for the least perspective, but like for the NHL, like this guy should take, I don't know, whatever, 15 million a year at least if it's going to be eight years. But like you look at these other contracts, the NHL is a, Ellen Walsh tweeted yesterday, NHL's revenue is like $6 billion. You know, it's not that much less. I think Major League Baseballs was 10 and NBA was 10, something like that. The highest paid guys in those leagues are making 40 million, 50 million, 70 million, I think is the highest AAV in baseball. Like, you know, for our top guy to be 13-2, like the sport's got to move along here. The cap needs to go way up. The players need to get paid way more just to keep pace with being a major professional sport here. It's, you know, McDavid doesn't do the league any favors when he saves the Oilers $2 million a season because he's a good mm. Canadian boy. Or wow. Whatever. But all the Oilers fans love him, that's for sure. You know? That's true. No, yeah. And, and oh, honestly, yeah. honestly, I know no one wants to talk about this or even think about this, but because I, I saw somebody say, oh, Matthews timed his next contract with the CBA being up, and that piqued my interest. Now, he didn't. The CBA is up in 26, though, and I do wonder if that's kind of the fight the players will be having. Isn't about percentage of revenue or about percentage mm -hmm. of cap or max contract, but about can you do a better job of monetizing this? Can we try to grow the cap and grow the league? Because that's that's what I, I wonder if that's what the fight kind of ends up about. And I know no one wants to think about a potential lockout, but man, 26, it's uh, it's no, looming a lot closer. Legal die. No, no, no. No lockout. <laughs> uh, in terms of the uh, in terms of the other fish, William Nylander, mm. uh, many many thoughts were had about his uh, super mm. chill, nonchalant comments. For me, I just look at it and go. That's Willie. Other people look at it and go, ah, care more. What's wrong with you? Uh, where were you at on Willie's con comment? I just like, doesn't he have someone to coach him? But like, you're going on an interview, like with Merrick and Friedman, 32 thoughts. They're going to ask you about it. Don't you have some stock answer ready? Like, you know, what, whatever it may be that I'm not going to talk about it or, or like just the way he answered the question bothered me because he was like, I don't know, I, whatever, it's going to be okay. Like, I don't know, have some sort of stance. Have your agent prep you that you're either not talking about it or try to drive the price up or say you're going to be around something. He just kind of meandered. I don't know. And it's very <laughs> William Nylander to me, and it's very frustrating. But 
Uh, I, I just feel like with tree living and what these core players have already been through, anyone who wants to dig in is going to get themselves traded or run out of town at some point. So it doesn't feel like it did initially. It was like, we have to see what this team looks like with, you know, Harden and Durant and Westbrook. You know, at this point, it's like, we've seen it. <laughs> we know. It hasn't been perfect. So we know. Um, it's funny. Yesterday, uh did uh, J.D. Bunk's podcast that I did this show. And Bunker said, I'd watch that video if I was living and be like, all right, who was the highest bidder? I'm taking the train. Yeah. It's like, what was the <laughs> best know. offer I had? Like, that, yeah. that, there have been few. I, I asked the question, which video would you rather unsee over the summer, uh, Marner grittying or that video? And I, I have a hard time picking between the two of them. I avoided the Marner gritty for so long, oh, and now I can't unsee it. It's just <laughs> popping up everywhere. It's, uh, it's terrible. The, the problem like is, it. with both videos, neither of them changed my opinion of the guy <laughs> at all. Yeah. That's a great point. They're just confirming they are opinions. exactly what they are. They're right. confirming yeah. opinions. I we talked a little bit of this on the emergency pod, but it'd be fun to bring it up here now too. Like, there's no way it was a coincidence, right? The timing of the Matthews extension after what William Nylander said, like, was five no. hours later. You know, Trevor was hundred like, percent. He's like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> all right, I've seen enough. Announce Matthews. Yeah. Get it out there. Get the tweet ready. Yeah, it's so interesting well, too that Matthews yeah. led it, right? Like it yeah. was like he was the first one who yeah. had anything out there. And I will say my favorite period in maybe the history of my entire life was the time between the terms coming out <laughs> and that tweet where I could just live blissfully of, oh, maybe Tree did it and he got him to go eight or something along those lines. But yeah, I uh, that was the interesting part to me. Wasn't that they leaked it. I mean, that that's pretty, or they didn't leak it. They put it out there. But that Matthews was the one. Maybe he just wanted to be ahead of it. Maybe he didn't want to get scooped on his own contract. But, you know, we're always so maybe worried is too strong of a term, but we're always so interested in the team dynamic and how these guys feel about each other and play off of each other. I thought it was kind of interesting that Matthews, it was his tweet or X or eat or whatever it's called these days that got it all started. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sure that's the PR departments involved in that and say, Hey, if you want to be the one to, to lead this news, you know, kind of get a chance to connect with the fans a little bit. So I, I thought that was kind of cool, but I did, you know, I thought about it a couple of times since our emergency pod there, Sam, just like, you know, the idea that Matthews was going to be announced either with Nylander or they were going to have Nylander, you know, sign before he knew exactly what Matthews made. But the second they saw that, they're like, this negotiation is clearly not getting done anytime soon. I will say those Nylander comments followed by the immediate Matthews news makes me think we're not getting Nylander signing no. until, you know, well, I don't know, into the season. It feels like they're not going to sign him now. Yeah. And maybe that means they're going to trade him. I don't know. That, that felt like a dramatic moment for the Leafs. Uh, absolutely. So you said trade him. Um, should they trade him for some help on this decor? I know, I know. Are we allowed to talk hockey here? You can do it. Is you that, can do it I know, I know we talk contracts, it. but. Let's get weird. I, I don't like, I know the Atlantic division is a little bit in flux and the Leafs should be fine with what they have. Like, I think they'll be fine to make the playoffs. I don't, they're not like in danger of that. But I look at this decor. Borny, and I wonder to myself, is it the right course of action to potentially trade William Nylander for mm -hmm. some help on the back end? Because I wouldn't say it's looking Stanley Cup caliber back there, my friend. No, and listen, I'm totally open to the idea of trading while well, it was Willie or Mitch at mm -hmm. some point, um, you know, after the postseason when it felt like they could, you know, the core needed a shakeup. But yeah, that decor, it's not that I think that like they need a whole bunch of butchers necessarily, but they're just not good enough. Even if you think like, okay, you can win with all offensive D-men, you know, Lilligren and Klingberg and whatever, it's just, 
they're not good enough players. You look at the decor that just won the Stanley Cup. I mean, it's it was unbelievably deep. Stacked. So yeah, they they need stack. So you need to find a way to get better there. Would love to not. It just it sucks because Willie was so good at times in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He's like the one guy that really felt like he could help them catch up when they were behind. Uh, it, it's hard to move on from that. But yeah, I mean, it's a salary cap area. You're not going to be perfect. No team is perfect. And so if that's what has to happen, if they can get a legitimate kind of number one guy, I would be on board with that. I The thing is, though, the, the real ideal scenario was the trade Marner, I think. Right? Because, yeah. you know, he's, well, has that passed now? I would imagine at this point. I think. No, I don't uh, know. Now that you got Matthews signed, you can yeah, do whatever you want. I, I just, I think. He has probably Let's more not, value. Let, hold on, hold on. Uh, can we not talk about, like, that's a thing, right? How much of the contract, like, if they were going to consider it, how hard would the contract negotiation have become with Austin Matthews if Mitch Marner's headed out the door? Now, maybe maybe there's a world where he loves a return. Maybe there's a world where we overstate the relationship they have with each other. But I think that that's not nothing involved in this conversation. What do you think, Bourne? Yeah, I, I think that's part of it. I also, you know, they missed their window the to trade him, right? Yeah. In terms of the no mate, no move clause, though. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think now you would need him on board with the trade. Yeah, which and that might be. Yeah, probably not. But I don't know. Like, he does seem like a pretty sensitive guy, right? He's had his feelings hurt mm-hmm. here by Toronto in the past, and has kind of had those little like he put out that like Drake video once. You know, he 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 shows it in strange ways. If things go badly enough for him, I could see him being accepting of that. But yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I'm. I got to get myself back on Team Marner and back to you know rooting for him because I got. I was frustrated by I, a few things. I know year. a guy who can help you with that. We actually <laughs> talked to him yesterday. Well, that actually doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> what? Just being bludgeoned in the face, saying like uh, Mitch Moore isn't helpful to you. That doesn't win no. you over. How fun is the no. year-long contract negotiations going to be, Borny? We're going to have to set up rules with Kipper. We're just going to have to be like, we'll do it. We'll have a Marner show or like once a month we can give him well, a so pass or I, something. I, there, I can't do it every day. There's a there's a golf podcast I like, and they save all of their uh, complaining about the coverage until the end of the podcast. I think mm. you have to do that with Kipper. Just like every Friday, last segment of the week, okay, go ahead, Marner Hobby Horse, have yeah. at it. You got You have That's to it. set up a time for instead it. Of the text, yeah. Instead of the Friday text, we're just going to get the, the Friday contract <laughs> negotiations. And it's just – and you're just going to have Brindale playing like the sound of an accountant from back in the day with this <laughs> the other thing, thing coming out of it. Yeah. The other thing I've considered doing is just agreeing with Nick all year long on the Martyr contract. <laughs> like he's worth 16. Be like, for sure he Definitely. is. For sure. Why not 17? And they'd be like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. No, he's not worth that much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just going to just agree all year uh, long and we'll see how long uh, you know people enjoy listening to that. Al Barney, it's been nice to chat. It's really nice to hear your voice, buddy. It is. I'm looking forward to the hockey season. I'm looking forward to playing golf on Monday first, though. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you boys enjoy that. Yeah. All right. Take Thanks care. Thanks for having there me, guys. Goes. Justin Bourne. Love getting Bourne on. Always fun. Ah, uh, yeah. Love it. Um, yeah. I, I I do think that the martyr thing was the uh, was the move. Yeah. Probably, right? He had more value, and not just because he's a better player. He had more term. Mm-hmm. It would have felt like the biggest gut punch you know, mm-hmm. how many times do we have that conversation? Shake up, shake up the snow globe a little bit. The idea of it's not about the player you get mm-hmm. in the trade. It's about the player who leaves. And that's not to say Marner or Nylander or whoever we're talking about in this instance is a problem or a cancer in the room. But mm-hmm. if 
what have we always talked about? Those guys need to know there's consequences. They need to know they won't get to have their cake and eat it too, mm-hmm. which again, we said yesterday, makes no sense. What's the point of just having a cake to look at it? But <laughs> it's the stupidest thing. When you, when, you look at, when you look at what a trade could bring, it's not just the pieces the other way, a defenseman, a different look to your forward group, whatever it ends mm-hmm. up being. It is the mental punch factor that it has to the guys in that room and making them realize, yeah, things will change. And I don't know. I think sometimes the closeness of the group was overstated. I do wonder how much Kyle Dubas not being here does have a bit of a feel of that for them of, oh, okay, there are consequences. And obviously the way it played out, it's a little different, but I do wonder how much that kind of goes into it. But yeah, I would have, I would have, I would have had no problem with them trading either of those guys, Marner or Neander. Marner was the one, though, because he had more value for sure. Yep. Uh, do you think it would have been, hold on, lastly, do you think it would have been tougher? Like, how much harder does the Matthews negotiation become if they ship Marner out of town? This is the unknowable no question, but no idea. Give me a, give me a take. No idea. I have no idea. I don't know. I think it probably won. It opens up more cap space on the team's books. Mm-hmm. So it allows him, if you do the thing where you get, instead of one for one, you get a two for one or a yep. three for one, then your mm-hmm. Matthews is probably looking to shops at that cap space. And I wonder what that negotiation then looks like. And the other part of it is you're taking away a guy who he's had tremendous success with, you know, him yeah. and Neander have great, great chemistry as well. I just do wonder, I don't think it would have predicated the lease I, from getting a contract done with him. I don't think that at all, but I think it would have made it, it probably would have needed a cooling off period maybe where you would have put that on the back burner for a little bit. I think... I think um, that Matthews asked to play with like Cal Yarncroft last year. I think he's just kind of an interesting cat. I don't know. I I don't think it really necessarily. That was the weirdest thing of all time to me. <laughs> just, I want to play with Cal Yarncroft. He okay. loves him. I guess. Loves Cali. Sure. All right. You know what it's time for? Yeah. Do you? That's the question always. I do. It's time for something to chew on. Brought mm, yum, 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 yum. Whoa. Brought to you by great... Canadian mates. Yum, yum, yum. Yep. Yum, okay. yum, yum. Thank you. Uh, there's three things here. Yep. I'm One gonna, of them you kind of did with porn. I'm going to save that for the golf show. Sure. Uh, I think I'm going to move past Giannis because okay. I think he's going to leave, just like all the other, every other NBA star. To the leaves. Raptor? No. No, okay, not to the Raptors. Okay. I don't often feel very, very old. Oh, yeah, this one makes me feel old. But this is like the real first one where I'm like, holy crap, I'm old. Nationals World Series MVP, Steven Strasburg, to retire. God, I feel ancient. I was a massive Sports Illustrated kid. Mm. Pretty much always had a subscription. I was more of a Mad Magazine guy. Yeah, I was a big Sports Illustrated kid. Mm-hmm. And just, I, he was one of those guys who it's like, oh, he got the cover of Sports Illustrated. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the yep. number one pick. And it's gone. It's dead and gone. It's been gone for a while. He had the miracle run with the Nats. He got the World Series out of it. Just the oddest career you can think of for a guy who reached the peaks that we expected, but mm-hmm. there was never anything Lived there. Lived up to the hype? Ish. Ish. Yeah. I mean, not he, ish. He's a World Series MVP. Yes. It's just the longevity thing. That's it. You do not have anywhere near the now. I'm not talking your career. No, no. But look at the innings pitched on some of those years. He had a lot of dips and dives in terms of his availability. There, there's just a lot left on the table. Now he was also, if memory serves me correct, a guy who had questions about his arm coming into the draft, coming into well, his pro career. And remember the discourse? Yes. About him getting shut down, mm-hmm. and they were in a playoff race, and yep. all that stuff. Like he was the. F- I actually feel like he was like kind of on the cutting edge. Yeah. Of us like 
worrying about dude's arms, mm-hmm. right? Like, was he, I felt like he was the first, like, high-profile guy. Well, so much of it was because of the red flags on the medicals coming yeah, out of college. For sure. But then I felt like a lot of teams kind of followed suit after that. Like, I remember mm-hmm. the Jays doing this with Aaron Sanchez. Yep. Like, it, it happened a lot. But is there anything more unnerving in a baseball season than when you have a stud young pitcher who's going great and you're sitting there looking at the clock, except on an odometer, it's just running down and you're saying to yourself, we got maybe 30 innings left of this guy this year. And it's August. Not good. Who won? I'm just looking at this. one. Who won the 2014 uh, NL Cy Young? Not a clue. It's okay. So. Um, Steven Strasburg was ninth in the vote. Oh, it'll shock you who won it. R.A. Dickey. Clayton Kershaw. Oh, R.A. Dickey won 20... I thought he won a... Oh, it was in 2013. They made the trade for him in mm-hmm. 20... No, no, didn't he win this? The 14, 2014 NL Cy Young yeah. winner was Clayton Kershaw. Okay, so this is the year that Steven Strasburg had in 2014. He had a 314 ERA. He made 34 starts. He pitched 215 innings. He had 242 strikeouts. It's a great year. He was amazing. He was in. He was truly incredible. And yeah, he couldn't even catch a sniff. And yeah, 2014, it was uh, Kershaw and it was Kluber in the AL that year. Wow. So uh, for R.A. Dickey, 2012. Oh, 2012, they traded for. Oh, they were. He was in the first round of trades they made. That was the right, uh, right, right. I was thinking that they made the trade for him in 20 in the year the summer before 2015, but he was the the 2013 summer. 2012 Correct. is all Jays legend Cy Young. Mm-hmm. R.A. Dickey, NL. AL Cy Young winner was? I don't know. David Price. Oh. All Blue Jays legends. In, Love it. In 2012 so, there. Uh, then that's been. That's been Cy Young <laughs> Corner. Yeah. We should do this more often. Uh, but no, uh, I'm with name you. Name dudes. It makes me feel super old. Harper is another guy, but he obviously is still going. He's a touch younger than Strasburg was. It's just, yeah, it's one of those guys who career, you've watched a whole baseball life uh, just vanish before your it's eyes. Crazy. Thank God he got done. that World Series. It really, because. Again, like that makes his career. It does, of course. Yeah. World Series MVP. It's yeah. the only one their franchise has. You're going to hold that up forever, forever, forever. And man, you want to talk about how fleeting baseball is. Like, imagine being a Nationals fan. You win a World Series. Strasburg's there. He retires. Harper's gone. Soto's gone. All goes away in a hurry, hurry, hurry. Steven Strasburg made so much money. How much money did he make? He retires uh, with his career earnings of two hundred and fifteen million dollars, Gunner. The best part of that is $35 million the last three years. The best part of that is that uh, two things on the Strasburg contract. One, that probably puts him in the middle of elite upper end starting pitchers for that time. That's not uh, an outlier. But the other part of it is because of Strasburg's sketchy medicals, the Nats couldn't insure that contract. So that's all cash they got to pay. And it's deferred. He's going to have some Bobby Bonilla type stuff going on. Not quite as long, but uh, we're going to be hearing stories about Steven Strasburg cashing like a $10 million check 10 years from now from the Nats. So uh, shout out to him. Good, Good on, on you. you. Way to go. Nope. Nothing better than getting paid for doing nothing. Personally, Kinda me? like us. I was going to say, we're doing it right now, but also <laughs> if my employer would like to just give me money in perpetuity beyond what I'm working yes, here, I would certainly correct. sign up Ooh, uh, for that as well. Under the desk there? We did. We did just <laughs> play a little footsies. Whoa, we are. We are. We are a couple of gangly guys here. Uh, somebody, I would not, I would never describe him as gangly. I would describe him as a competitor. My sweet Canadian quarterback prince. I had a chance earlier this week to catch up with Nathan Rourke. Ooh, CFL talk. No. Actually, a little bit. He mentioned his beloved Lions. Okay. He mentioned his brother, who is apparently a stud. Uh, He glows talking about his brother. We'll have all that more for you when we continue here. Coming up next on the Fan Morning Show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs. 
Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, fan morning show here. Oh, NFL season right around the corner. I know we've all been keeping tabs on our sweet Canadian boy, Nathan Rourke. I had a chance to catch up with him early on, earlier on this week. Let's hear what he had to say earlier on. Nathan, thanks so much for jumping on. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. So, I, I mean, first thing I think everybody wants to say is just uh, congratulations on that play that went super viral. I mean, uh, it's one thing when we're all tweeting about it, when men, but when Patrick Mahomes is doing the same, I imagine that had to be a pretty cool moment for you. Uh, phone was probably smoking when you uh, finally got to it after the game, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was um, it was a pretty cool uh, moment for me. Certainly uh, always good to make plays during the preseason, but um, it, it's cool to for it to people to be talking about it. So I got to obviously hear from Patrick, which was cool, and uh, a lot of other things on social media. So that that was it's just been fun to to see how that's been developed. Well, that's the thing about football, right? The eye in the sky never lies, and even I can see that one. But you you mentioned making tape, and that's a big big part of what you're doing. You know, I want to ask you about the kind of differences of of camps for you. Obviously, you go into BC last year and you know the success you're capable of having at that level. And it's a completely different animal at the NFL, not in terms of the athletes, but in terms of just your kind of place in the pecking order. What's it been like uh, heading into camp with, I don't know, feel free to tell me I'm wrong, but I'd imagine slightly different expectations. Yeah, I mean, it's been difficult. I mean, obviously, I think the biggest change for me has been the role, right? You know, when you go to BC, you're the, you know, I, beginning of 2022, they renamed the starter. And so you kind of go into camp you know, trying to do in a very different role, you know, knowing that you're going to get the reps and be able to make mistakes and um, you're going to be able to develop with the guys. But, you know, the organization has, has, has publicly said that they're, they're backing you. And that's a huge, um, you know, boost of confidence to be able to go into camp like that. Um, obviously here you're trying to, you're trying to uh, try to make a name for yourself. Not everyone knows who you are and just trying to make plays and you don't get a lot of opportunities to, to, to show that. So that's just the, the, how it how it goes and not a sob story but that's just the way it goes for for people like myself and uh obviously extremely grateful for the opportunity that i've got but um certainly different uh different in terms of what it was for me last year yeah definitely and you know it's i i don't mean to make this and i'm not saying you would be doing it you're not it's not a sob story this is just how life is in the nfl right guys are out there working for jobs every day with the quarterback position is a little bit different. Normally, that's a little more set in stone. What's your mentality like heading into this final preseason game? I mean, you've been public about it. The Jags have been public about your your place in the pecking order. Obviously, you want to make plays regardless of where you're at uh, on the depth chart. But just what's your mentality like heading into uh, into this fourth preseason game? Yeah, I'm just trying to keep doing what I've been doing. I've, I think I've made the most of the opportunity that I've got. And I don't know how much time I'm going to get this uh, this Saturday against Miami, but uh, I'm looking forward to being able to play um, in front of the home crowd here and um, and uh, you know set this preseason off on a on a good note. So um, you know I, I think that yeah, obviously you know uh, they've made it public about where what my role is going to be going into the season, but you never know what could happen, and and you make film not only for the Jags to evaluate, but for the rest of the league as well. And so hopefully uh, you know if, if whatever happens, you know, I'm, I'm putting something out there that's positive and that if it doesn't work out here, uh, you know, that I'm able to make it work somewhere else and uh, put, giving myself a good, uh, good chance to be able to do that. 
Uh, yeah, Nathan, and obviously when you're when you're wanting to compete, and again, I don't know how forthright you want to be uh, with this question that I'm going to ask you, but what was it about the situation in Jacksonville that that drew you there? I don't know how many suitors you had. I don't know how many offers there there were for you, but I think a lot of people would have maybe expected you to go to a situation with a little bit of a murkier QB uh, possibility. Obviously, we know what Trevor Lawrence is there. What was it about Jacksonville? And if you could just kind of talk about the the decisions you had or the process you had in in making the leap uh, to the NFL? Yeah, I think it was just a, a matter of getting the opportunity to play during training camp. I didn't want to go into a situation where I was going to have to compete against a draft pick um, just because of the, the stock and the, um, the opportunity given to uh, a draft pick, no matter where they're picked. Um, and I was given a lot of confidence here um, in Jacksonville that they weren't going to draft um, anybody. They were going to go with three for the entire offseason and into training camp and that has meant to me a lot of opportunities, um, and more so than in some other clubs who have four, even five people at training camp. And so, um, to me, it was all about opportunity. And while it is still slim, it, it's better than some other situations around the league. And so, I think the biggest thing for me was the how difficult it was to to leave BC in the situation I had there with teammates, and felt like I had a lot of momentum going into um, this upcoming season. But um, you know, at the end of the day, I think. You, you try to chase the dream and see what happens, and um, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, you, you got to take the shot. I mean, it's all you ever want to do as a quarterback, right? You want to you want to have a little li- a glimpse of daylight and be able to force that ball in there. And, you know, you don't want to be too risky about it. I notice you've taken care of the ball well this preseason, but I think you understand what I'm, I'm saying there. You know, it's funny, uh, Nathan, obviously all of Canada is pulling for you, but I, I feel a pretty good connection myself. I live in Burlington, not far uh, from where you grew up in Oakville. And, I you know, I can't help but think mm-hmm. we have no qualms of sending a, a 16-year-old up to Sault Ste. Marie to go play hockey, and we don't think anything of it but I think a lot of people were surprised when they kind of dove into your story you going down to Alabama for your senior year of high school what was that experience like for you I know you've talked about it a little bit but it's a it's a pretty unique wrinkle uh, to you not so much in for quarterbacks but as a uh, Canadian one specifically yeah I mean it was all about for me trying to give my put myself in a position where I'd get the opportunity to get recruited uh, you know I was trying to get a division one scholarship my goal for you know for a very long time has been to make it to the NFL and, um, you know, backtracking a little bit, the best way to do that is probably to get a division one scholarship. And so, um, I wasn't getting recruited when I was, um, in high school in Canada and in, in Oakville. And, um, you know, there was an opportunity that came up to, to go down to Alabama, um, and hopefully get closer to some college coaches and be able to show that I can play the American game. And, um, you know, fortunately there was an opportunity at Edgewood Academy and just outside of Montgomery, Alabama. And, um, so we did that for a year, and um, and uh, you know I think it just just goes to show you know the the what the length that I that me and my family would do to be able to set myself up for success and hopefully go and chase continue to chase the dream that we've been chasing for a very long time. So um, it wasn't the most uh, direct route, but uh, it, it's been pretty cool to, to live that dream uh, here in Jacksonville uh, for the meantime. I was uh, I was going to save this for the last question, but you mentioned family there. You got a uh, you got a scouting report on little bro. Is he coming for you? I, I know I, I know he's uh, making noise in Ohio as well. Uh, how, how's little brother's career going? He's going really well. He's going really well. He's going into his fifth year. Um, his uh, uh, third year as a starter at Ohio, and um, he's uh, you know for those who don't know, he's he's a he's bigger than I am. Unfortunately, he's about <laughs> six five, and uh, he's 
he certainly fits the prototypical size that the, the scouts are looking for. So I'd be um, I'd be absolutely surprised if if he doesn't get a chance down here. I know there are some CFL fans who who are really looking forward to seeing him, but I don't think they're going to be seeing him anytime soon. Um, I think he's just too good of a prospect at this point. He had a really good year last year um, before he unfortunately got injured. Uh, he's fully recovered off his ACL, and he's uh, they're looking forward to. Uh, starting the season this Saturday. They play against San Diego State um, week zero in college football, so um, we're looking forward to watching him there, and uh, I think they're they're one of the favorites for the MAC, MAC championship this year, and so we're really excited to, to watch him, and he's had a great career so far, and um, I'm looking forward to joining, I think he's looking forward to joining me in the league, hopefully next year or the year after that. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, I can hear the pride in your voice when you talk about him. We all uh, love our family. I don't know how much we all love having a bigger brother who, or a little brother who's bigger than us. Uh, not something I have to worry about, but uh, it sounds like you're pretty proud of him. I do want to ask you about, <laughs> yeah, I just want to ask you about kind of your expectations versus experience with NFL camps, with NFL preseason games. I mean, I don't want to make it seem like you're yeah. a stranger to this. You played Division One football. You played against a lot of these guys in your time at Ohio, mm-hmm. getting ready for this moment. But what were you expecting, and how much did it kind of live up to that, the reality of it all? Yeah, I mean, I think there's been things that I think that, you know, my experience in pro football um, have, you know, allowed me to, for the transition to be easier. And then there's some things that have been brand new and I've just had to adjust to, um, you know, obviously playing for an organization that's worth $4.5 billion or whatever it is, you know, there's some <laughs> things that you have to get used to in terms of how, you know, how you travel and the kind of facilities you have and just kind of how the stakes are a little bit higher and um, the stadiums and the people and all that kind of stuff. But I think at the same time, it, you know, um, you know, I spent a couple of years, you know, learning how to be a pro and how to take care of your body and how to study and how to prepare for a week and how to learn from the people around you and how to take mental reps. And so I think I'm, I'm in, I'm in a good standing right there. And I think that being in this position, I'm very fortunate to be able to have been in a situation in 21 where I, I, I didn't get to play and I had to watch and, um, but I got to learn from some great players and I think that's paying off, uh, right now. Um, as you know, you go into weeks where you don't get any practice reps, but then you're expected to go out and put your best foot forward on game day. So, um, you know, I think there's been a lot of things to adjust to, but um, at the same time, um, I think I'm very heavily leaning on my prior experience and um, and uh, using that to, uh, to to make things a little bit easier for me. Yeah, I don't, I don't exactly know what I'm looking for in this next question I'm going to ask you, but, you know, not a lot of Canadians <laughs> have been uh, coached, albeit for a, a brief stint so far anyways. Uh, by a Super Bowl winner in Doug Peterson. He was a quarterback. He knows the position well. Uh, You know, I know how big football staffs are to begin with. Like you said, when it's a multi-billion dollar organization, I imagine there are a lot of bodies floating around. But what's been your your experience of of Doug Peterson? And then if you could could just kind of uh, link that to Trevor Lawrence as well. I mean, I think these are two guys who are obviously uh, really important players in the NFL, but we don't know uh, a ton about them. What's your your experience been in the uh, QB room with those guys? Yeah, I mean, it's been great. I mean, obviously, you know, Coach Peterson has an unbelievable track record. And like you said, he's been there Super Bowl. He's done it. He's won it. And he's got a lot of respect from the players here. And I think he does things the right way. And I think that that's one of the other reasons why we, at the end of the day, picked Jacksonville over other organizations is just because uh, of the, the the character and the integrity from the top down. I think that's really important. I think we had that in D.C. And I think that's something that we were looking for again. We were going to make the jump to the NFL. Um, and in terms of just being able to learn from Trevor, I think he's 
Um, he's, a, he's just a great pro, and I think he carries himself well. And you forget how young he is sometimes, um, just the way that he carries himself. He's a great leader. And been able to learn from him and C.J. Beathard as, as well and just being able to watch them and their, and their process and, you know, going into their second year in this offense um, has been it's been fun to be able to um, watch them to continue and grow, but to to learn from them and and uh, looking forward to having a front row seat to to what should be a great season for them. Yeah, that is awesome, Nathan. I know again, there's a ton of people who want you back up here, but I hope we never see it. Quite frankly, uh, you uh, you I certainly have earned the right down there. Uh, and hey, if we can get a couple of Rourke's uh, in the in the NFL, uh, we certainly wouldn't be sad about that. Good luck to Curtis. Uh, thank you so much for doing the time. Good luck this weekend against the Dolphins and whatever whatever is next for you on this journey. Uh, we're all pulling for you up here. Thank you so much for taking. Thank time. you very much, Brent. I appreciate it. Thank you. Was my bestie Nathan Rourke? Just a couple of uh, just a couple of Halton Region guys chopping it up about his Bunch NFL of boys, eh? Oh yeah. Um... So I heard the end of that when you said, like, love to see a back. Yeah, here. not you. Disagree. I don't think you need to worry. Disagree. Do not want him back in Canada. Uh, me and Mackie's Argos are the class of the country. And but you're scared. If, if he came back, that's a very scary outlook. I think the I think the Lions are hot, too. I think they've won a few in a row. So uh, I don't want that to happen. Um, but, yeah, stud. I saw that one play from the preseason. Yeah. And I was like, this guy is a stud. Yeah, I mean, I asked him about it. Patrick Mahomes uh, shouting him out, pretty cool for for him there. It's I that's think an amazing feeling. It's got to be right. I mean, nobody goes leaves a team in the CFL going to the NFL saying maybe I can have a viral clip. Like you know, <laughs> you want to make the team yeah. or have a career, but that is that's a moment that no matter what happens here, he'll kind of always have that. And honestly, I think uh, there's going to be a lot at stake here. He talked about it. He was pretty forthright. The lack of certainty around how much playing time he'll be getting this weekend. It is very much up in the air. If he'll make it to the Jags 53 man roster, you're allowed to carry the third quarterback, Mm -hmm. but he has to be part of that NFL's new rule there. Just based on everything you're seeing, the tape he's accrued, I'd be shocked, shocked, shocked if he finds his way up here. If he's not on Jacksonville's mm-hmm. roster, somebody's snapping him up. And if not that, then he's going to be on the Jags' Le- practice squad. So don't worry. Leo's are 7-3. and three, So they're second in the division uh, next to Winnipeg. 7-3? and three. Aren't the Argos 7? Oh, I guess they're playing tonight. Yeah. Okay, I was about to say, how many... How many games ahead? How many games in hand can you have in the in a in a football season? Uh, so they're playing the three and seven Calgary Stampeders at home tonight. The Argos. Mm-hmm. I will say the last game it went to. Uh, who'd they play? I can't think of who they played. Anyways, they won, and um, the crowd was better. Okay, I will say that the crowd was bigger, more into the game, electric. Mm-hmm. I think tonight has a chance to be a hot Argos crowd. Friday really night. Do. Friday night, supposed to be a beautiful day in the city of Toronto. X going on. You get a free ticket into the X. I'll say it so you don't have mm. to. Summer is oh, starting to dwindle. Oh, it's over. Okay. But I, this guy, like, Definitely I mean, not true, but okay. You look at the, you look at the, the temperatures. It's like 22. Yeah, 20. I know. Disgusting. Who would ever want no, to be comfortable it's outside? Fine. It's nice. It's nice. It's, the weather's nice. It's, it's nice outside right now, but it, it smells like fall out there. It's, it's trickling. Football's two weeks away. Yeah. It's, you know, the te- calendar's going to turn here. We're Labor Day is on the uh, on the horizon. Um, but I'm predicting a hot Argos crowd tonight, mm-hmm. and I am predicting a rather large W for the home side. Um, a lot of AJ Ouellette if, there. If, if, you let me, if you'll let me quickly wax opine about you, the, my beloved Argos. You can have as much as five minutes. I won't do five okay. because I don't think everybody cares that much <laughs> as much as I do. But Chad Kelly is legit. 
like swag. Swag is legitimately the best guy. Do in the you league. feel? Uh, quick question. Can mm-hmm. I jump in with questions? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about calling him Swag Kelly? Do you feel a little weird about it? Because I'm not an Argos guy. I imagine the more you yell, yeah, let's go Swag. I prefer I prefer Chad. You prefer Chad? Yeah, I do. I okay. do. I I, pref- I I prefer Chad. I okay. Do. I just think that they are a really fun team. They're an easy team to cheer for. Uh, AJ Ouellette is a mutant. I love watching him run. He dapped me up before the last game. <laughs> Not a big deal. A little handshake. He, he dapped up that guy in the amateur wrestling yes, event I showed he, you about he, as well. He is, he is the man. I just, I really do hope that the city gets behind this team because they're great. They're the class of the league. They're going to go down. They're going to, they're going to absolutely stomp. The Stampeders tonight, I can feel it. So they're going to go to eight and one. I just really hope that the the, the city gets behind them because they're a fun team to watch. Chad Kelly's the best guy in the league. Like I think last game he was I think twenty one for twenty five for four something and four TDs. Like he's ripping it up. He's a real guy. So get behind him. They're sick. That's all I'll say. Uh, also, mm-hmm. if they should do not the unthinkable, the very thinkable with this team and make it to the Grey Cup, yeah, quasi quasi home game uh, at the Donut Box, uh, Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. Um, I don't think it's really a home. I, I like what's like the you're close. What's the traveling Argos? I feel like there'll be more people there from Hamilton cheering against the Argos, and there will be people from Toronto going out there. Okay, Mackie co-signs that. Ma- I will. Mackie I will, be- will be there for sure. But like that's a that it, I think there's a lot of fans like me who are diehard Argos fans until it's out of the city. And no, until you get into the Thunderdome of Hamilton. Ah. Like I, I think there's a lot of people who love the Argos. Yep. But do you love them enough for I, a cold night in Hamilton? So I went. I when I was a kid, it's like one of the it's one of the sports memories that sticks out the most with me as a kid was going to a night game. Iverwin, mm. Cats, Argos, darts floating around oh, there. A lot of darts. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, it's like I'm there. I'm and it, again, it's like I'm there with my mom and like a, a, an, an uncle and stuff. Oh, yeah. And it's just like she's like, oh, 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 goodness, this is quite intense. And I'm like, this is great. I want to live in this forever. So um, awesome. So there's like a there's like a soccer saying um, where it's like. Oh, it's like a kind of like a soccer joke. Where like, but could you do it a cold night in Stoke? It's, right. a, it's like a stupid okay. soccer sure. saying. Could you do it? A could cold you do night? A, Could you do it at a cold? Could you be an Argos fan on a cold night at Tim Hortons Field? And could you, you do it? You couldn't. I'd do it. You would. I would do it, but I would be scared. Okay. For sure. Like I would go into it scared. Like I love the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's like my team. Mm-hmm. You know. I, you, I tried to, love. you You tried to. You tried to run away from them. I did try to say I, I like the Pittsburgh Steelers, but you wouldn't catch me dead going to like Eagles. Cleveland <laughs> or like going to like even Buffalo yeah. as like an opposing fan. No. I don't love them that much, and I have a similar feeling with the Argos. I love them that much, and I would do it, but I would have the real fear. Yeah. I would. The NFL game I went to was as a complete neutral observer. Mm. Mm-hmm. I went to a Lions-Panthers mm. game. Wow, so electric. Pe- <laughs> well, actually, it not, but it was because it was rookie or second-year Cam Newton. Oh, that would be fine. Peak Megatron, and oh, had yeah. six seats. Oh, okay, so, so that would be yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, I got to check yeah. out yeah. two Stafford. of the yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was great. It was yeah. great. Uh, so, yes, but as a neutral observer, awesome. But I forgot I had a Leafs hat on. Oh, you just took a beating. Oh, oh, nice Leafs hat there, you duster. So, yeah, a lot of that. <laughs> took except, a beating. Yeah. So, 
Michael Grange will not take a beating. Will Canada today. Imagine he just came in. We're just like, hey, Grange, you nerd. You like your FIBA rules? Will Canada take a beating? Or will they hand one out? That's the question. I am jacked up for this tournament. Canada, France, 930 today on Sportsnet. Michael Grange is going to waltz his way in here soon and talk to us about that very tournament. And the first game of it, which gets going today, Sam McKee and Brent Gunning, one hour left on the Fan Morning Show on Sportsnet. 590 The Fan.